0: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15 as we continue our study of Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 15, our focus will be in verses 1 through 13. This is God's word. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles." I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, One who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. We've said that in this section beginning in chapter 12, Paul is telling us how we are to respond to the gospel. Chapters 1 through 11 focus on the gospel itself. God saved us, and this is how. This is why we needed saving. This is what he did. But then beginning in chapter 12, we're told how we must respond in light of what God has done. I plead with you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to him. That's what we're to do. What does that look like? Well, from chapter 12 on through the end of the book, he tells us various situations, various relationships, whether it's with the government or whether it is with one another, this is how you're to do it. This is what it looks like. This is what a a life of love looks like. And in chapter 15, these first 13 verses, the first thing that we see, he's just talked about, if you will recall, the disputable matters. There are some things we said that are not disputable. There are some things that God's word makes very, very clear. If you're a follower of Christ, you cannot do this. Anyone who does that is not going to inherit the kingdom. But there are other things that are disputable. Christians have differing opinions about should we do this, should we do that. And he cites a number of examples of those. And it was particularly an area of sensitivity because of the mixing of Jews and Gentiles in the churches. God was saving people that the Jews didn't feel real good about being saved. Because, I mean, they're not like us. Do you know what that person did for a living? You know, I mean, that was happening. And the Gentiles, in some cases, were being pressured to try and act like Jews. You know, come on. I mean, if you're going to come to church here, that's okay. But try to look like us, will you? And so, in the midst of that, Paul is saying, no. You're not to judge one another. God is the one to whom we'll give an account. Now, again, we're not talking about things that are not disputable. We're talking about things that are disputable. And if you, if you say, I, I don't remember really that. Go back and read it, okay? Because he makes it wonderfully clear with illustrations, including whether or not we can eat meat, and whether or not certain days are holy, that kind of stuff, okay? So, A life of love, according to God's word, involves joyfully putting the needs of others ahead of our own pleasure. We don't live to please ourselves. Verses 1 through 4 tell us we live in order to serve. Joyfully. Well, why would you be joyful about having to put the needs of others ahead of your own pleasure? Because this is how we worship. This is how we say, I love you, to the one who gave his life for us. This is how we express to him gratitude. You know, we're supposed to serve joyfully. Because Jesus says, inasmuch as you've done it one of, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it for me. So what we do for our brothers and sisters in Christ... To address their needs is how we say, I love you, to God. A life of love involves joyfully putting the needs of others ahead of our own pleasure. Okay. Secondly, a life of love means being united in community as we follow Jesus. Look at verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to talk about unity if you're a solo act. You don't need to talk about unity if you're just out there singing the old 1970s song that Pat Boone so beautifully rendered for us. Me and Jesus, got our own thing going. Me and Jesus, got it all worked out. Me and Jesus, got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. Well, the idea of emphasizing a person, sorry for the bad, bad Pat Boone impersonation there, but um, it's good to emphasize the necessity of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not personally trust Christ, if you're just trying to swim along as part of the group, but you really haven't yielded your life to Christ, you're just trying to get along with the other people around you and they seem to be believing this stuff, so I'll, I'll do it too. Oh, they're raising their hands. I guess I'll do that. If it's not personal between you and the Lord, you're not part of the group. You may look like part of the group, so did Judas. There has to be a personal relationship with Christ. But folks, if there is a personal relationship with Christ, when they said, teach us to pray, he said, okay, try something like this. My Father, is that what he said? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We, We can't live the life that God calls us to in isolation from everybody else. I heard this week that somebody was not able to go to their church, uh, I think because of illness or something. This is someone in another state and they contacted uh, Miss Lisa and asked, you know, does your church live stream? How can I get it? Because I, my church doesn't live stream and I'd like to be able to watch yours since my church doesn't offer anything on Sunday morning unless you're there in person. Well, folks, I want you to know, we are happy to live stream, and we're grateful for all the folks who watch. And really, as long as you watch on live stream, that's all that matters. It's really just a show we put on here. This is the studio audience, and, uh, and you know, there's no reason for you to be involved with other believers. Just, you know, send your contributions to P.O. Box. No! No! God forbid! We are supposed to live in community. The name of this church is Covenant Community Church. And we're we're not talking about the community of Wears Valley or the community of East Tennessee. We're talking about the community of believers who have covenanted together in order to serve the Lord. So we're supposed to follow Him together. God calls us to be united with other believers following Jesus. Now, if Jesus is going this way and the group you're in community with is going that way because they don't like what God says in His Word, you you need to get out of that community, okay? You may be sentimentally attached. You may be multi-generational attached. But this is not about denominations. I don't have a denomination to recommend that you all need to be a part of. People ask me, I'm moving to this and such a place, uh, do I need to look for a thus and such church? I say, no, you need to look for a church that preaches the word, exalts Jesus Christ, loves one another, and is on mission for him. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. Wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand A life of love means being united in community As we follow be. Jesus Now, verses 7-12 through 12. Christian community requires acceptance Based on grace Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. That's why Jesus came. It wasn't just to save the Jews, and it wasn't just to save the Gentiles. It was to save the elect of God. And so then he quotes from various scriptures, more about that in a moment, but he makes it clear that our acceptance of one another is based on the same grace that God demonstrated by accepting us in Christ Jesus. He didn't accept us in Christ because we earned it, because we were good enough, because we'd done enough. He accepted us in Christ Jesus on the basis of grace. And so in Galatians, chapter 2, verse 11 and following, Paul talks to the Galatians about the fact that he had to rebuke St. Peter publicly because Peter was refusing to have fellowship with Gentiles when the Jews came down from Jerusalem and would have disapproved. So Peter, who'd been having fellowship with them and eating with them, violating the Old Testament law, which was no longer in effect, because Jesus said, no, all food is now okay. Okay? All that law was pointing to Jesus. And so when Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, now, in Christ, we are made one. And we don't have to follow all the Old Testament regulations. Calendar-wise, food-wise, etc. And that's what Paul's been alluding to in the previous chapter. But Peter was just trying to keep his old friends from Jerusalem happy. And he totally neglected not just the feelings of the Gentiles, but the truth of the gospel. And so Paul, in Galatians 2, said, I had to rebuke him to his face. He had even led Barnabas astray. Barnabas was following him in this cowardly hypocrisy. So on what basis do we accept one another? On the basis of grace. Well, so do I make sure that people live up to my standard in order for me to accept them? No. Well, what if, I mean, what if somebody is living in open, unrepentant sin? You don't accept that behavior. God's word commands that out of love, you exercise church discipline. But if there's no covenant community, there's no church discipline. When I was pastoring in Atlanta, I had several pastors that I was Covenanted with as prayer partners, we are still prayer partners. So a, a couple from this church over here uh, was not doing what they should do, and they came to our church, you know, because it's the easy thing to do. And they wanted to be in a nice building with great music and you know all that kind of stuff. So we were a good place to be. It was society friendly, and it's a great place to have your daughter married. You know the things that matter. And uh, so they they came over to our church and we're just going to make a fresh start. But because I was meeting with these other pastors, I knew what was going on. And I said to them, you cannot become a member of this church until you go back and work things out with that church. That happened more than once. We had wonderful relationships. And I'll tell you this. In one case where a pastor had run off with the associate pastor's wife and therefore his church had expelled him and the denomination had formally disciplined him and after they'd been on the road for a while living elsewhere they came back to our area and they wanted to join our church. I said, no. They said, oh, well, we know what we did was wrong and we're very sorry, but we can't undo it because both of our other spouses have married other people now. And so, you know, there's really not anything we can do. And I said, yeah, there is. You need to go back to that church and publicly apologize and ask forgiveness for the way that you grievously sinned against God and against them because that was the flock that you were responsible to lead. And if you come here, you're not going to be in any kind of position of leadership. Oh, no, 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 we know that. I said, fine. We will welcome you after you've gone back and sought to make things right with your former spouses, which they had already done, and with that church. I got the most wonderful letter from the presbytery thanking us for not having just welcomed them in. And let me tell you, after that was dealt with, we welcomed them in. Because they weren't defending their behavior, they weren't rationalizing it, they were really sorry for what they'd done. And you know what else? When someone else in our church was struggling with adultery, I asked them to counsel that person, and that person repented and did not pursue that adulterous affair. God forgives sinners, but if you love, if you love the person, you exercise biblical church discipline. You don't just act like, well, you know, who am I to judge? I mean, you know, come on. You know, we've all made mistakes. Let's just go forward here. You know, no. (laughs) That's, that's, That's not love. That's not love. If a person claims to be a Christian and is living in open, unrepentant sin, You must exercise discipline. But that's why we need one another. We need to be in community together. So that the idea of not being able to come to the Lord's table is hard. It should be hard. And let me tell you, those of you who are watching or listening, if missing the fellowship of the body, communion of the saints, that really doesn't matter to you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Now, if you're not able to come, like my wife wasn't for four Sundays in a row because she was so sick, but she was eager to get back, she'd say to me, do you you think I'm well enough to come back? And I'd say, "Mm, honestly, no. But now she is. Hallelujah. Okay? I mean, we rejoice when we're able to come together. Christian community requires acceptance that is based on grace. But then Paul says something else here that we need to note, and that is, as one study Bible notes it, I don't remember if it was ESV or NIV, both good, Wayne Grudem did one, D.A. Carson did the other, recommend them both. But he, he says, please note that in verse 4 of chapter 15, we read, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And then, In this passage, verse 8 through 12, he quotes from 2 Samuel, Psalms, Deuteronomy, and Isaiah. Sampling the Old Testament, if you will. He quotes from the Law, he quotes from the Prophets, he quotes from the Psalms, and he quotes from the historical books, 2 Samuel thereby illustrating that God's salvation being not just for the Jews but for the Gentiles runs through the whole Old Testament. And he says the consequence of that is that we should have hope. And that's our last point. The main message that I felt burdened to share. You say, oh my goodness, it's the end of the time and he's coming now to the main message. Yes. The main message in this passage that God impressed on my heart was a message of hope. Look at verse 4 and at verse 13. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And then in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Three times in this little section, he's talking about hope. I don't know what your circumstances are. I know what some of your circumstances are. But I don't know all about everything that goes on. I do know this. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, whatever we've been through, whatever grief we're experiencing, there's hope. There's hope. This is not some vain hope. This is, as Paul says in chapter 5, a hope that doesn't disappoint us. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us. That was back in chapter 5. This is not a hope that disappoints. If you're trusting Christ, you have a hope that does not disappoint us. And that's what this message is about. Because that's what the book of Romans is about. Because that's what the gospel is about. We could never have saved ourselves, but God loved us so much that he sent his Son to take the punishment that we deserve and then conquer death so that we now have nothing to be afraid of we can trust in him and know that someday he'll call us home and when he does it's to a place that he's prepared for us I'm telling you that is a hope that does not disappoint to be filled with his spirit and and believing his word results in overflowing hope look at it again verse 13 may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit hallelujah you've been listening to abiding in Christ